Ryak. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that is a name of a character on this show. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Aw, your poor username is Cough Cough. It is. It's okay. I took some drugs to hopefully avoid that during this. Hopefully? But laughing might cause problems. We'll see. We'll see. Well, at least it's not COVID. Yes, it is not COVID. But anyway, how are you doing? Anyway, you sound sultry yeah, today. So. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> I am good. I am tired. I've been exercising again, and I feel like I've been hit by a truck because oh. I've been exercising. Well, boo, but yay. I did it to myself. It's fine. It's it's good. It's all just muscle soreness. It's not injuries. Yeah. It's just my body being like, what the fuck is this? We haven't done this in a long time. Stop right. it. And I'm like, no, body, we need to do this. It's good for us. <laughs> my body is like, no, I hate this. And then my brain is also like, no, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I keep going anyway. Good. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So I just got back from a four mile run outside because it was actually kind of nice. So. Yeah. I've not yeah. been outside, so. Well, understandable since you're. Sick. Yeah, and I've been trying to stay mostly in my room too because I'm trying not to yeah. infect my brother. But that's very kind of you. Even if it's not COVID, yeah. it doesn't mean that he that he wants it. <laughs> he was like, "I don't think I've had a cold or anything in like ten years." And I'm like, "Buckle up, buddy." Thanks for uh, recording early so that we can get an extra episode in this week so that I can go on vacation soon and that'll be nice. no problem. Yeah. Hopefully, I have things to say about this episode. I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, anyway what is this episode i don't know i got nothing for segue <laughs> yeah this episode was stargate sg1 season six episode two redemption part two no it's crazy no creative names for it this time around no just part two. Oh, it starts with a recap so i guess i'm up for that <laughs> <laughs> all scenes from redemption part one X-302 is so cool, and maybe the first human-made ship capable of interstellar travel if we don't count the humans from other planets. <laughs> Chekhov wants a Russian to join SG-1, but Jonas also wants to join SG-1. They can both fuck off. <laughs> the Tauri are in danger. The gate might explode. Maybe the X-302 can save us. Tilk and Braytak might be able to figure out where the attack is coming from. Update! The X-302 is full of fail. <laughs> it can't save us. Anubis says we should all prepare to meet our doom, and Jack is not impressed. <laughs> End recap. <laughs> I appreciated that very much. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry. Healthy. So healthy. So good. Yeah. If only you were drinking my health elixir that I'm currently drinking. Your health elixir? Is that gummy bears and wine? No. Oh. It's gummy bears and orange juice and rum. Ah, excellent. <laughs> it's got orange juice in it. It's healthy. Yeah. It is. It is. Gummy bears are kind of fruit flavored. That's That counts. Yeah. Well, I was like, just orange juice. Like, I don't have any grenadine or something. So let me put gummy bears in it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. That's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. I thought so. 
Yeah. We start with Sam and McKay talking about Anubis's little message. McKay has a good question, which is why does this guy wait so long to <laughs> make this scary uh, holographic threat? That is a good question. It is. And they don't address it. So we yep. never get an answer on that. I feel like the only reason they put it in there at all is to demonstrate another way Anubis is just using stolen technology because they said it was Asgard in the last episode. And then we see later him using other technology from another race. (laughs) Indeed. So they, yeah, let's see. That's all they're talking about. They have 54 hours to figure out how to stop Anubis. They go into the briefing room, which is full of nerds. (laughs) Like super nerdy nerds yeah that (laughs) they really played up the nerd aspect of these scientists these nerds are trying to come up with something they're talking about the time that the stargate was connected to a black hole but the two of them are arguing so they're not really helping sam at all it doesn't matter though because rodney's like you're both wrong (laughs) and i have the right answer and that is that we need to send an EM pulse through the wormhole because we can do that. Two-way communication is possible through the wormhole with different energy waves and whatnot. So then we can just knock out this weapon. Sam, though, says she's already thought about that and didn't bring it up because she doesn't think it's going to work. Because they don't know how much energy they would need in this EM pulse to actually knock out this weapon and also in order to deploy it they would need to open the iris which would increase the amount of energy being put into the gate which will cut the amount of time they have to solve this however she has no other ideas so Hammond's like if you figure something else out let me know in the meantime we're gonna let Rodney try this I gotta say this is the first time that we really see I thought Rodney being kind of likable because he was being very funny at the beginning of this he doing was. an impression of Anubis yes yes <laughs> it he was, was very entertaining nothing can stop the destruction that I bring upon you and the gate shuts down oops sorry never mind but then of course he went right back to being an asshole by at the end of the scene so I was like no, yeah well ruined yeah. it yeah <laughs> Also in credits, I meant to mention last time and forgot that even though they've changed the credits and also taken Michael Shanks, uh, taken his name off the credits, they're still using a shot at the end of the credits that's the original SG-1 team, all four of them walking up the gate. I don't think it was. I thought it was the shot at the end of this episode. Was it? I thought It was the same shot at the end of the credits that they showed at the end of the last credits, but maybe I'm just making assumptions. I don't know. I thought that was the same shot they'd been using at the end of the credits in the season before that also. Hmm. Hmm. I'd have to go look. Yeah. But it looked same. the same to me, but all we're getting is their backsides anyway. Yeah. I thought it was the same one that they'd been using at the end of the credits before. Hmm. Hard to tell. You Hard only to get tell. to see people's butts. I'm not yeah. good at identifying people just by their butts. <laughs> what? I know, right? You're not a butt spurt? That's not a word. <laughs> butt spurt. <laughs> If only. <laughs> I know a lot about butts from my job teaching A&P, but I would not say that I am a butt spurt, no. <laughs> also, that sounds really gross. We're like something completely different. <laughs> it does. It does. Anyway, after credits, we're back on Chulak. 
Braytac has tried to connect to one particular world twice now, because if everyone remembers, last episode he was dialing all the gate addresses that were controlled by Anubis that he could remember, and there's one particular planet that is not connecting, so they figure that's gotta be the one that has the open gate and weapon on it. So they're gonna go there. Ryak argues that he should be allowed to come with them, and wants to fight this battle with his dad, and Tilk is like, no. But Ryak has a good point in saying, you said you trust me, and so basically throwing Tilk's own words back at him. And so Tilk does eventually agree to let Ryak go with them. Woo. Woo. Sam comes to see Hammond to let him know this is still a bad idea, Rodney's EM Pulse idea, because they're going to cut that time in half. Oh, Jack is also there. Yes. <laughs> Jack's like, no better idea, huh? And she says, no. So they're still going to go forward with this. And Hammond does tell her maybe she should work with McKay instead of just trying to stop what he's doing. Since two heads together, maybe that'll work. She's not happy, but she says yes and then leaves. That was thrilling. It was very thrilling. (laughs) On the cargo ship... The Gould cargo ship specifically, Braytac, Ryak, Tilk, and I guess another guy named Shakrell are all there. That was the f- right, the friend Jaffa from the last episode. So yeah, he's the good guy that's going to be piloting the ship. They've got a giant crate of magic eight balls, and it was really making <laughs> me wonder if somebody in production had stock in the company that makes magic eight balls or whatever. <laughs> they use them a lot in this show, and this is a whole big crate of them. <laughs> anyway, they're doing gear checks. They're in hyperspace as all this is going on, and they're checking. And they get to the planet and realize that it is heavily guarded, so figure they're probably in the right place, because they probably wouldn't have this many guards around the planet if it was not the planet that they are looking for. Coconut agrees. (laughs) It's good to have her agreement. Yeah, absolutely. She likes to weigh in every now and then. The next scene is entirely there so that Rodney and Sam can be snarky at each other again. She comes in to see them in the gate room. McKay is there with other people getting this device ready to send the EM pulse. Sam's like, I hate you. (laughs) Rodney's like, cool. And yeah, it's really, that's it. Like, let's be snarky. And I did like her delivery on the line, though, where the EM generator thing was not pointed at the gate. (laughs) Shouldn't the EM pulse generator be pointed at the gate? On the cargo ship again. They've brought Ryak all the way there, but they want to leave him on the ship, which is stupid. (laughs) Ryak talks them into taking him with them because being on the ship is not necessarily any safer if the ship gets blown up. There are death gliders that are coming up on them and they've got to make the decision quickly so they do ring everybody down. Everybody meaning everyone but Shakrell because he's going (laughs) to keep piloting the ship and try to get out of there and dodge the death gliders. At this point I was just randomly curious about whatever happened to the kid playing Ryak so I looked him up Oh, yeah? And his name is Neil Dennis. He kept acting in a few random things here and there, but not really like any big parts. And then it looks like he retired in around 2008. But I did find an article 
in the Seychelles News Agency website, because apparently that's actually where he's from. And after oh. he left acting, he moved back there. And it was in his intent to write a screenplay and a novel. And he was in the middle of working on both of them when he moved there. And they both got stolen within a week of him moving back. He didn't have backups of either of them. So yeah, it sucked. Also, I went and checked his non-acting credits on IMDb and there weren't any, nor could I find any books published by him. So no idea what happened to him after that 2015 article. Oh, well. Yeah. That's my fun story. Well, I hope everything's all right, buddy. I hope so too. Yeah. I was going to say this is yet another scene in which we get more and more indication that Anubis is not as all I mean he is all powerful but he's using yet more technology because they cloaked their cargo ship but Anubis could see through the cloaks somehow yeah they don't know how probably more uh Asgard technology or something oh I missed that they had cloaked yeah that makes sense I missed that they had cloaked the cargo ship I forgot that was a thing the cargo ship can do but yeah apparently could see through it since they were sending death gliders after them yeah yeah they ring right into an area with a bunch of Jaffa. So they have a firefight. Tilk and uh, Braytac are kind of high, swinging around their staff weapons, shooting people. Ryax down low with a Zack gun, and he's also shooting people, doing a pretty good job. Yeah, he is. Until he gets shot. But unfortunately, yes, there are a lot of enemy Jaffa, so Ryak ends up being shot. Playing the role of Grogan this episode will be Ryak. Yes. <laughs> Braytac and Teal get him the hell out of there. Back in the gate room, they're ready to go with the thing. <laughs> How's that scene? <laughs> Got some short scenes happening here. Right? Then we're up in the control room. They close the blast doors. They open the iris. They turn on the thingy. The EM thingy. That's the technical term for it. Thingy. Yeah. And yeah. they send the electromagnetic pulse through. And then... All kinds of chaos happens. There's lightning bolts everywhere and electrical arcing among all of the equipment. Absolutely everything is arcing and bad electricity just going everywhere. It just makes me wonder how the wiring is set up here. And (laughs) I don't know why this would be happening. I don't know. But it did. And then Sam gets electrocuted yet again because that often happens to her. (laughs) And she gets thrown across the room. McKay is very upset because he's like, she's going to be really mad when she wakes up. But but wait, she's going to wake up, right? Right? I don't think the thing worked the way that they anticipated. No. And Um, I had forgotten about the palm thing for the iris. Oh, I had too. Yeah. I had forgotten that they had that thing there because I think... That palm reader thing. They had to make sure people didn't just get into their stuff. Yeah. I forget what episode they put that in. Yeah. But yeah, I forgot about that. So, yay, I'm glad that was still there. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely remember them talking about it. I forget exactly why they put it in Yeah, there. Yeah, another time they just let randos play with all of their technology. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, did it have something to do with Karen? Was it that episode? Can I speak to your manager? I'm calling the manager! Or was it a different one? It was before Karen. Okay. It was, it was, I can't remember exactly when, but yeah, it was before Karen. Yeah. Anyway, back on Anubis's planet, Tilk and... Braytac and Ryak are having a look around at what's going on. Tilk is looking at Ryak's wound. Ryak's like, it's fine. I got this. I'm okay. He's trying to be strong. Indeed. 
Yeah. Ryak wants to know how Tilk and Braytac didn't get hit. And Tilk's like, it's always more difficult to hit a moving target. And Braytac's like, we're lucky. Yeah, because <laughs> I actually went back and rewatched the scene after Tilk said that. And Tilk and Braytac were not moving no, any more than Ryak were... was. No. In fact, they were standing while Ryak was crouching. So they were making larger targets of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever, Tilk, Braytac is right. They were just lucky. Yeah. <laughs> They move along then, headed presumably towards this weapon and the Stargate on this planet. Meanwhile, in the infirmary, Sam is getting bandaged up. She's conscious again. She had been unconscious before. Once again, she's got a burnt hand. I feel like she's always got bandaged hands, again, from getting electrocuted. But Rodney is there and is randomly seeming to be trying to actually be nice Rather than condescending and sexist to Carter, and she is like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I wanted to be a pianist. She's like, excuse me? (laughs) He wanted to play the piano, and while he was technically good at it, he had no artistic style. And he said that similarly, he's technically good with science, whereas Sam has artistic style, which helps her to come up with all of her crazy ideas that always end up being the ones to save them. And again, Sam is like, you know, why the hell are you talking to me like this? Go, just like, go away. Stop this. He said, I'm just trying to bond. She's like, why? And then he ruins it by saying hospital gowns turn him on. Yeah. He'd been doing well right up to that point. Yeah. Also, his piano teacher was really shitty if they said that he should stop playing because he was never going to be a good player since he was For only sure. a good clinical player but had no sense of the art. So fuck that teacher. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that's why... Rodney turned to science, and still, though, he's jealous of Sam. She finally starts to soften a little bit when he admits that part of his chip on his shoulder is because he's jealous of her. Then they start talking about the actual problem at hand. They've got 25 hours now until detonation, and they've got to go science it. I guess they can't really Sam it out, but Sam and Rodney it out. (laughs) Rodney? McKay. (laughs) (laughs) Martyr? (laughs) I don't know. They don't have a good uh, name to moosh together. Yeah. No, they don't. So she's going to go get out of her hospital gown and put actual clothes on, and they're going to go do some work. Woo. (laughs) And then she has to tell Rodney to get out of there because he's like, right, I'm going to (laughs) watch. Back on Anubis's planet, they've found the weapon, which is like a bunch of pillars surrounding the Stargate in an oval kind of shape. And there's a bunch of like electricity around and then it's <laughs> beamed into this open Stargate. I like, I, It's like a big yeah. energy beam. Yeah. Yeah. Again... This is not a Gould thing. Mm. Tilk says that it looks like it's been built by the ancients, which Ryak apparently had not learned that the Gould steal all their technology, which what is Braytac even doing? Right? Seriously. Tell that tell that kid the truth. They conclude that because it's not Gould, then maybe Anubis can only use it. So if they destroy it, he may not be able to just make a new one really fast. Ryak's like, do we have enough explosives? And Tilk's like, it doesn't matter because you're not coming with us. 
you're injured, you'll slow us down, you might give us away. But really, Tilk just wants to keep his son safe, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Understandable. Yeah, exactly. He tells Ryak to stay there. Then he and Braytac head off to try to sabotage this weapon. In the briefing room, a bunch of nerds are gathered, trying to just figure out different options for what to do next, like encasing the gate in tritium alloy to reduce the effect of the explosion, but they don't have time for that, and they don't want to damage the planet's atmosphere, and blah, 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 blah. Sam asks Rodney what he's thinking. Rodney's like, besides the fact that these guys are morons, then he looks out the window and asks what the little alien guy is doing. And I was like, is there an Asgard there? When did that I happen? Know. How did that happen? But no, he was talking about Jonas, who isn't exactly little, because when Sam goes down to stand next to him, I'm guessing he's probably around like six feet. And he's also pretty muscly. Yeah. It's another person Randy's just jealous of. Right? I mean, can't blame him. <laughs> yeah. Sam goes down to see him. Jonas, not Rodney. Sam goes down <laughs> yes. to see Jonas. She asks him what he's doing. He's had a problem that's bothering him, and he's been bothered by it for a while. And he wants to know how they got the gate in the mountain. (laughs) That's a good question. It is a good question. So Sam explains that the ceiling opens up, and there's a shaft that goes up to the surface, and they have a crane, and they brought it down with the crane. Jonas wants to know, does it go up? And Sam's like, well, moving the gate's not going to help because there's nowhere on Earth that. (gasps) And then she trails off. (laughs) She's got an idea. Yeah. An idea I feel like that Jonas already had. I, yeah, I agree. That was definitely my impression. And I was going to say, I like that he's just like casually there drinking a cup of coffee, like feeding Sam ideas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to make it look like it's her idea. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought it was a good scene. So she rushes out to go do her idea. Yeah. On the unknown planet, they find a path. (laughs) They take it. Then we're back in the briefing room. Sam is trying to sell the plan of removing the gate and taking it off the planet to everybody else that's there. There's still a bunch of scientists, nerds in there in addition to Hammond and Rodney. They've got all of two hours to get the gate to the surface. And then get it loaded onto C-17, get it to Area 51. They've got to get it onto the X-302. And there's a lot to do and not a lot of time. Hammond's all on board. So he tells everybody who is not moving (laughs) to start going. (laughs) Because they're all just like standing around looking stunned at what's about to happen. Hammond's like, go, move. (laughs) Hammond tells Sam that she did a good job with this one, but she does say that it wasn't actually all her idea, so she thankfully is not trying to steal all the credit. No. (laughs) She's like, you know, we're not going to have a Stargate anymore after this, and Hammond's like, yep, that had occurred to me. Yes. (laughs) On the planet, the other planet, not Earth, (laughs) Teal'c and Brajak have been caught by the Jaffa. Oops. Oops. Back in the SGC, they've hooked up the Stargate and they're ready to start lifting it out of the mountain. Shouldn't they have boxed it up in some way to avoid anything accidentally coming into contact with the event horizon on the the, the non-iris Maybe, side? Maybe, yeah. So things wouldn't get vaporized? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but they didn't. They didn't. No. No. Then we're back in the briefing room again and Chekhov is there. I guess he's just 
lingering? I don't know. I have no idea why he's still there. No. Why is he even there? I don't even know. He's trying to get the plans for the X-302. But why he's there beyond that, I don't really know. <laughs> Except to maybe talk about trying to sell them the their gate or rent them their gate. Yeah. He had also been in the previous episode. I know. But like, why is he still there? Well, he hadn't gotten Hammond to say he could have a Russian member of SG-1. Yeah, that's true. True. And he's pissed about the 302. Yeah. This is true. So he still wants the plans, even though the hyperspace technology doesn't work, because Chekhov's like, it will eventually. Hammond has a good point when he says, even if they're able to successfully get rid of their current gate, there's not anything to stop Anubis from just doing the whole thing all over again with the second gate. So they cannot have a Stargate program as long as that technology is out there, because without the X-302, they have no way to get rid of the second gate if this happens again. So yeah, the second gate has to stay buried. I was thinking about gate burial. I think it was it last episode where they or the episode before where they were talking about how the Stargate weighs 64,000 pounds. They talked about that in this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, later on. Like, oh, oh, oops, sorry. But I was just thinking about that cuz they tell people all the time to bury their gate. Yeah, That's how are they supposed to do that? Heavy and and then how do they unbury it? How do the people on Abydos after they buried it yeah. raise it again? That's so much weight. Levers. With a big enough lever, I could yeah. move the world, Kathy. <laughs> it's so much weight. Levers and pulleys. It is. Yeah. Quite anyway. a lot of weight. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just thinking about that still. <laughs> anyway. Yep. So Russian Gate buried. Yep. Go stay buried. Yep. On the Anubis planet, Asia Fa, who is... Again, played by Aaron Douglas, who played a Jaffa in a different episode. He, again, is another Battlestar Galactica ah, alum. Didn't recognize him. Yeah. I was like, wait, hasn't he been in an episode? But yeah, he's playing a different Jaffa this time. <laughs> another Patriots fan. Yes, he's playing a Patriots fan this time. Last time I looked it up, he had an Apophis tattoo and was a uh, student of Braytac. Ah. And he died. But oh. yeah, but apparently he had a twin. We'll yeah. say that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> or they brought him back in a sarcophagus and yeah, gained his allegiance. Through yeah, that. and decided to. They all pretended they didn't know each other after that. Yeah, because it was just awkward. <laughs> right. I mean, yep. He switched. He switched teams. Switched teams. Yeah. <laughs> he became a Patriots fan. Yep. <laughs> the Jaffa is there, kind of like, what are you doing here? You're not going to just destroy something Anubis created. And Teal'c's like, he didn't create this weapon and he's not a god. The Jaffa doesn't like hearing that. He calls Teal'c a Shilva. He says his god isn't weak. Teal'c tries his recruitment speech a little bit, but they're not hearing it. He hits Teal'c. He also says, I know there are three of you. Where's your other person, the boy? Teal'c obviously is not going to tell him that. They take Teal'c away, and it sounds like he's going to try to interrogate Braytac after this. Yeah, that's about it. Then we're back in the SGC again, and this is apparently where we learn that the gate is 64,000 pounds. That oh. is very heavy. <laughs> it How is dense so is Naquita? Very, apparently. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. 
Because it is so heavy, they have some major concerns about the fuel capacity of the X302 and that it cannot carry enough fuel to carry the gate all the way up as far out of the atmosphere as it needs to go. So they had to take a whole bunch of stuff off of it. Nothing too important, <laughs> which we'll learn later is actually not the case. But in any <laughs> case, they're basically just talking about the technicalities of he needs to get to escape velocity so that the gate won't fall back to Earth. And he's got to take it kind of really far out there to make sure that it doesn't come back. And Sam then finally, at the end of this whole big long conversation, decides it's time to put in a good word for Jonas because she tells Jack that really it was his idea and not her idea and that he deserves something. She doesn't know what. (laughs) Jack's like, I'm not hearing this. I'm going to go do an important thing. So leave me alone. He was basically saying that Jonas doesn't deserve anything because the hyperspace generator didn't even work. Seems like that's not his fault, which is true. It was not. He risked everything for the Nequadria. It's not his fault. The tech we made with it didn't work. Yeah. Bad argument, Jack. Yeah. So he gets in an elevator and then is feckless at trying to close the door. But then eventually he gets it to close. (laughs) We also learned in this episode he did get to have a piece of cake. Mm Mm-hmm. So... That we do, important. yes, because he was saying that he probably shouldn't have had that last piece of cake before <laughs> going up in this uh, aircraft where every pound counts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he had his cake. Right? Me too. Yeah. I want cake now. Me too. We don't have any. We do have some ice cream, though. Mm, nice. Mm. My brother bought me Reese's Pieces. I don't really like Reese's Pieces. Oh, I love Reese's Pieces. I'll there's no them. chocolate. I like peanut butter better when there's chocolate with it. Agree, but I still love Reese's Pieces. I'll eat them. If I ever see you again. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen you in many weeks now, and it's sad because things keep getting in the way of our normal hang times. It's usually me. Well, also there was a snowstorm last Friday. (laughs) Yeah. Ryak, his father has not come back. As he said, they try to be there by sunset. That hasn't happened. He overhears that... The prisoners, prisoners, are going Ooh. to be taken to be transported up to a Hatak. He's got to do something about that because he knows the prisoners are his father and Braytac. Yes. <laughs> Elsewhere, Jack is back in his black and white flight suit with his green vest. He is asking Dr. Murphy what has been removed from the 302. Murphy says, weapons, a little bit of life support. There's still a day's worth, so it's cool. Yeah. The radar, crash safety mechanisms, landing gear, which that one gives Jack a little pause. (laughs) And they're like, well, we had to. It's the only way we could get the Stargate to attach. So he's going to have to eject from this. And Jack's like, when were you going to tell me? He's like, just now. Didn't even know about it till a few minutes ago. Things are happening fast, man. Murphy then takes him outside to have a look. And we see that there is an aircraft, like a passenger one. And on top of that is the 302. (laughs) And attached to that is the Stargate. Which, that's crazy. Quite. Murphy wishes Jack luck. And it's time for Jack to get going. I just need to know how much weight a 747 can carry. Oh, good question. 248,000 pounds. Okay, so more than 64,000. 
Yes, more than 64,000. That's what I was curious about. And that is 103,419 kilograms for anyone that was wondering. I do not know what 64,000 pounds is in kilograms off the top of my head. There's no way to find that out. uh, I was going to say divide it by 2.2 if you really care that much. (laughs) (laughs) Or let Google do it for you. Right. Yes. Or a calculator, I guess, but just use Google. Anyway, we're back on the other planet. Ryak is moving around and sees some death gliders that he's eyeing. One flies overhead, but the ones that he was eyeing are the ones that are just sitting in a field, seemingly unguarded. And he crawls towards them. Sneak, sneak, sneak. Sneak, sneak, sneak. In the briefing room, they are talking about what is happening with the 302 and Jack. They are in the air. The pilot of the 747 says that they are approaching their separation altitude. Meanwhile, Jack says that he is getting ready for the separation. Separation is complete. Everyone has wished him luck about a million times. Good luck. We're all counting on you. And he's getting pretty annoyed with that, so he tells them to knock it off. (laughs) Basically, they're just going back and forth talking about what his altitude is. He's still climbing and climbing and getting faster and faster. He's at Mach 6. And it's getting bumpy, and that seems bad. He can't turn the engines on yet because he has to try to get a little bit higher before he can turn on the engines if he's going to get as high as he needs to. But he's got a lot of turbulence, and he's really not getting all that much higher anymore. I mean, he's still increasing, but not as much as he needs to be increasing his altitude. Then alarms start going off, and he's losing power. So he really has no choice. He has to turn the engines on. After a bit more debate, as Jack is actually now falling back to Earth, they do give him the clear to turn the engines on. And then he runs out of gas too soon, as everyone predicted. But again, he didn't really have a choice because he was actively falling back to Earth. Right. And now they've got to figure out what else to do. (laughs) Jack asks, anyone have any ideas? (laughs) Anything? Want to wish me luck again? Eh? Good luck. We're all counting on you. (laughs) They're working on it. Sam says that it looks like he's going to crash into Europe. (laughs) So that's bad. And that'll only be in about 35 minutes. Rodney suggests that they have Jack put the 302 in a nosedive because that will mean that the plane would crash into the ocean instead. And maybe that would also minimize the damage. But it wouldn't really minimize the damage that much. I guess it would still be a ginormous explosion. It would minimize it a little bit, but not really enough. A lot of people would still die. So maybe they need another plan. Maybe. That they don't come up with yet. (laughs) On the planet, Tilk and Braytek are being escorted to the ring area when suddenly a death glider comes for them all. (gasps) It starts shooting at them and oh my god, it's Ryak. (laughs) Tilk and Braytek manage to free themselves well, Ryak, you know, is pretty happy up there in yeah. the glider, killing other Jaffa. He's doing a pretty good job. He's a good pilot. Yeah, good job, Ryak. Yeah. I'm fly. I'm pilot. Back on Earth, they're telling Jack about the possibility of him just throwing the gate into the ocean. And he is like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says what? But yeah. Yeah. And so he, then he asks about the hyperdrive and they're like, it didn't work. But he's like, well, we just don't know where it's going to go. Right. 
and it doesn't matter as long as it goes far away. And Sam's like, oh my God, yes. That's what we need to do. (laughs) Dr. Murphy's like, we don't know what's going to happen, but they really don't have a choice. Nope. Not so much. No. Hammond makes the call based on Sam's recommendation to do it. McKay goes off on her. So it doesn't matter that she's an artist because he's a (laughs) lunatic and he's tired and she's deranged and... Blah, 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 blah. His reticence is what happens when you're opening basically like a hyperspace window. They don't know what happens if you do that in an atmosphere. And his argument is that his nosedive into the Atlantic is a real thing with tangible benefits where Sam's is, which was his argument last time he was here too. It was like, her's like, maybe pie in the sky. We don't know. Blah, blah, blah. But Sam's like, we can save the whole planet. Jonas jumps in. Talking about how the instability of the Niquadria and Sam finishes a sentence is relative to the size of the burst you're trying to extract. So they're like, oh my god, we don't have to open a big ass window. We just need to open a little window. Teeny and window. then it'll send the Stargate far away from Earth. So they're going to call President Bestie to make sure this is cool. Yeah. So up in the cockpit, they give Jack his orders. They're going to have to take a few minutes to just override some safety protocols and send a program up to the X-302 to allow it to make that super teeny tiny short jump. But that'll just take a few minutes. And he's like, all right, cool. I'll just be here falling. <laughs> then on the unknown planet, Tilk and Braytak get up to some higher point where they can admire Ryak and his continued shooting with the death glider that he has and he stops shooting at all of the other death gliders because i guess there aren't really any anymore he took care of them all and now he's aiming at the weapon meanwhile in the sgc they've got a countdown at one minute and 54 seconds i guess that's until the thing explodes i think so yeah yeah how they managed to calculate it that precisely i don't really know Mm -mm. but they do sam uploads the program They tell him good luck again. (laughs) Good luck. We're all counting on you. And then Jack activates the hyperspace generator. And that's the last that they hear of him. Yep. They've got some jets in the air. Keeping an eye out for Jack. Hoping he ejected on time. Hopefully. They don't see him, but they do then see a giant explosion high up in the air. So... They got the Stargate away and that exploded. But then we don't have to wait long. Jack's fine. They find his parachute. There's a visual of a parachute floating down. Woohoo! Everyone's happy. On the other planet, Ryak was successful with destroying the weapon. So nice job, Ryak. Yeah. The gate on that planet shuts down. And they're like, hopefully it's not too late for Earth. <laughs> <laughs> In the SGC again, everyone is essentially just packing up. They have no gate. They can't open the second gate because as far as they know, the weapon would just be turned back on the second gate again. Sam tells Rodney, well, I thought you'd be happy because you thought we shouldn't be using the gate anyway. He's like, I, well, I never said that exactly. As they part ways, Sam gives Rodney a little kiss on the cheek and he seems delighted. And he's like, you don't hate me. <laughs> And Sam's like, yeah, and it's too bad for you, too, because I was more attracted to you when I hated you. He's like, damn it. (laughs) 
Hammond is packing up his office. Jack comes to see him. Hammond tells Jack he can have any assignment he wants. And Jack's like, (laughs) basically, he wants to retire again. Yeah. Hammond puts a lamp in his box. (laughs) And Jack is like, are you sure you want to take this with you? And Hammond's like, well, we're closed. Don't know if we're ever going to have a Stargate program again. And Jack's like, well, this says property of U.S. Air Force on it is what I meant, which is silly. Quite. I love lamp. Unfortunately, they've also left teams stranded off world because they can't chance even opening the gate to let them back in. Yeah, that sucks a lot. But then the phone rings. (gasps) They're getting a communication. Then we're in the control room with Hammond and Jack and Sam meets them. Once they are all there, Walter tells the person on the other line to go ahead and it's Tilk on the radio. They're all very excited to hear from Tilk because they're probably assuming that they're never going to hear from him again at this rate (laughs) without the gate to bring him back home. Tilk is very happy to find out that they're all okay since it was iffy when they destroyed the weapon as to whether or not it was in time. And Jack's like, yeah, it was pretty close. Tilk says that he's got good news in that the weapon being used by Anubis has been destroyed. And Jack's like, good job. And then Tilk's like, well, it wasn't us. It was Ryak because Ryak is awesome. So says Tilk, basically. Yeah, so they're going to go land and celebrate. In the gate room, they're getting a gate. Yay. The Russian gate. Yay. In exchange for the Russian gate, the Russians got money, plans for an Mm -hmm. X302 and 303, and one more thing. (gasps) But we don't hear about what it is yet. No. And then in the hallway... Jack is chatting with Tilk and Ryak about how Ryak should just stay and hang out, have fun with his dad for a while, learn about Earth. But nope, Ryak has important things to do because he is going to join Braytak's cause. He's all in now and committed, and so he needs to leave and go help Braytak places. Elsewhere in the corridor, Jonas catches up with Jack and puts in a last pitch for himself to be allowed to join SG-1, and Jack is basically still like, no, fuck off. (laughs) Jack goes to see Hammond. Hammond's like, well, surprise, the last thing we offered the Russians was a place on SG-1. Jack's like, let's give them their own unit instead. That's better, right? Yeah. Hammond's like, well, what about SG-1? And he's like, oh, oh. Seat's taken. I've got somebody. (laughs) Can't sit here. Because Jonas Quinn is going to join SG-1. Yeah. He did look a little contemplative after the conversation he had with Jonas. Because there was more to it, of course, than I said. You know, Jonas was basically like selling himself. But I still don't think that he would have actually agreed to Jonas joining them if it wasn't a choice between either a Russian or Jonas. No. True. Last scene of the episode, the new SG-1 is all dressed up and getting ready to go. Jonas has shown up wearing a helmet and goggles and everything. And they're like, yeah, that's too much. You don't need all that crap. (laughs) Jack tells him it was a good guess on the green because they're all wearing green uniforms. (laughs) Hammond gives SG-1 a go. And so now we have a new SG-1. Jonas puts on his new cap and they walk through the gate. End of episode. Yay! Kathy, did you like the episode? 
Are um, we too sick to enjoy anything in life? I mean, it's a little bit hard to enjoy things in life right now, but yeah. it was it was fine. I thought it was an okay conclusion to the cliffhanger two-parter. Although it was wrapped up all way too neatly. Like there was a lot of, oh no, is Jack alive? Oh, just kidding. He's fine. Oh no, we have to close up shop. Oh, wait, no, we don't. Just kidding. So it was kind of <laughs> these weird ass fake outs that didn't make any sense, but it felt like we're there because they had extra time maybe. Fair. Especially because it went on for so long after the action concluded, whereas a lot of episodes end right at the action. Right. So it felt sort of like when Lord of the Rings, like, keeps ending and it just goes on and you're like wow they didn't quite have two episodes worth but it was too much for one episode yeah i think they're trying to make rodney a little more likable yes and maybe maybe they're already thinking ahead right i was gonna say i wonder if that was because they already had plans for atlantis in the works and knew they wanted to put him on it who knows but i don't know who knows or maybe they were hoping to just put him on here more just could be um, but yeah, so they softened him up slightly, still yes. an ass and kind of gross, but yeah, a little bit. So that's interesting. And I think that they're, you know, they're obviously Anubis is powerful. Nobody knows what his deal is, except for that. We learn more and more that his deal is that he steals tech from other races, which is a cool thing anyway. So I don't know. It was fine. Sorry. That's not a lot, but <laughs> How about you? I did enjoy it overall. I did like seeing Rodney's more likable side. Because as I've mentioned, I like him as a character overall because of the type of character he becomes later, um, more so in Atlantis than in here. But it was kind of nice to see a more likable side of him for the first time in this episode than we've seen before. I thought that Ryak did a really good job, like I said. I thought the actor that played Ryak has greatly improved since his first few appearances on the yeah. show, but it was also nice to see him being an actual competent fighter here, not just in, I mean, like, I know he got shot in that first scene, but he was holding his own for a while yeah. before he got shot. And then seeing him being a badass in the Death Glider was also nice to see how his character has, like, matured and grown since he was first introduced. And overall, I thought it was interesting. The ways that they kept needing to adjust their plan and change their plan last minute when things weren't working. So yeah, yeah, overall, I found it to be an enjoyable episode. It was interesting. I don't know. It was a weird tone shift between like their mistrust of Rodney and yeah. Jonas Quinn from one episode to the next. Yeah, true. It, like, yeah. yeah. Was, I was actually just going through the descript of the last one and I was like, oh yeah. Why were they even there? And then they yeah. both had more prominent, like, helpful roles in this. Yeah, they were kind of pointless last episode, yeah. but pretty key in this episode. Yes. Anyway, um, what's next? <laughs> I was just about to ask myself what is next. <laughs> Let me see. I do have the booklet here. It is hard Ooh. to read in this lighting because I don't have the light on because it got dark in here. Yep. Episode three, Descent. I can't both talk into my microphone and read it, though, so let me turn on a light. (laughs) (laughs) Because the backlight from my screen is making it too hard to read. Yep. (laughs) Episode three, season six, Descent. SG-1 investigates an abandoned Goa'uld ship orbiting Earth. Hmm. I wonder where that came from. 
While they try to salvage the ship, saboteurs attack, and the vessel plummets to Earth deep into the ocean with O'Neill and his crew trapped inside and time running out. Oh. Do you want me to see what IMDb has to say about sure. it? Sure. Still not as good as the Netflix descriptions. <laughs> um, that's Redemption Part 2. That's not helpful. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to rate Redemption Part 2. Go away. Do you think we could write to Netflix and ask them for the descriptions of these episodes? Yes, we should. (laughs) Absolutely. That is an excellent idea. When SGC detects a gold ship in orbit, SG-1 is dispatched with Jacob Carter to investigate. They find the ship to be abandoned with no discernible life signs, and Sam determines it to be the same used to kidnap Thor. Once on board the gold vessel, they find that the crew had initiated a self-destruct sequence. O'Neill would very much like to salvage the ship, despite Jacob's warnings that it could be a Trojan horse. An examination of the computer core reveals that Thor may have been able to introduce a virus, but Jacob was right, it's an ambush, and the ship soon plunges into the ocean. That was a lot. That was a lot. That wasn't even their description. That was like the first random description. Normally they have like an MD, well, I mean like for all two episodes that I've looked at the descriptions for. There's an IMDB written one and then a bunch of them written by random users. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Always like a Jacob Carter episode. That's good. Anything else? (laughs) I don't think so. I'm good. Thank you everyone for listening. Please like and subscribe, and reviews are always helpful. If you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash stargatesing. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, that's at stargatesing, and you're going to have to tell me the Mastodon one again. <laughs> I'm going to, I should write that down. I don't actually know 100% for sure. I think it is stargatesing at masto.world. Okay. You can you always think I'd remember. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah. You can always reach us by email, stargatesing at gmail.com. You can also message us through our website, stargatesing.space. I'm Kathy. And I'm Mary. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. I almost said I'm Mary because I'm just so used to hearing it that way. But then I'm like, wait, no. Nope, still you. Still I'm Kathy. Still Kathy. <laughs>